0: Welcome to this episode of the Sport Kite Podcast. I'm your host, Nick O'Neill, founder of sportkite.org, and I wanted to thank you for tuning in and listening. In this episode, we are going to round out Women's uh, History Month here in the United States, that traditionally is the month of March. And we're going to do it with finishing with an interview with Cassie Shook, uh, an amazing person who happens to have been in the kite industry for quite some time and currently works at her family kite shop. So she's kind of got a little bit of a different perspective when it comes to teaching people how to fly. And I kind of wanted to share a lot of what she's doing and let her tell you her thoughts on uh, approaching sport kite flying and the sport kite field. So yeah. And just as a quick note, uh, after this episode publishes, we're going to take a short break before we start season three in just a few weeks. So it may be two to three weeks before the next episode drops. So that gives you more than enough time to go back through the roughly 50 episodes, catch up on things you may have missed or come up with new thoughts new ideas or what have you uh new comments new suggestions we would love to hear them and share them with us and maybe they'll be on one of the future podcast episodes so go ahead and send that stuff to us at info@sportkite.org i'd love to hear what you're thinking uh if any of these episodes kind of sparked off some thoughts um love to hear them and uh yeah Let's go ahead and get started with this interview with Cassie Shook. That's where I'll cut. Uh, So if you would care to introduce yourself.
1: I am Cassie Shook. I am with Flying Smiles Kites in Corolla, North Carolina. And uh, yeah, that's me in a nutshell.
0: (laughs) How long have you been uh, in the kite world, so to speak?
1: um funny you should ask i got my first job in kites 20 years ago this summer so i'm about to actually hit like a pretty big landmark i grew up though it's funny because i didn't know about the kiting community growing up but my dad was a kite flyer and i grew up in the metro detroit area and if i'd only known that there were kite flyers nearby like their um John and Marianne Trenopoul were literally 45 minutes from where I grew up. And if I had <laughs> known them when I was growing up, I feel like I would have had a completely different childhood. Um, That said, like, it was great, but my dad was a kite flyer, but like we were in Detroit in the eighties and nineties and didn't really know much about stuff. And we would buy kites at the beach, but they were for beach winds and not inland winds. So I did not actually enjoy kites until I got into the kite business and learned that there was a whole world of kites that are not just beach wind appropriate kites which is a whole new world and kite repairs too like oh, i was the one kite, that repairs. Introduced kite repairs in family <laughs> and that like when when we, it was no longer like the risk of like breaking daddy's expensive toy that nobody knew how to fix like it was a whole new world <laughs> i feel like everybody needs to learn kite repair seriously uh,
0: I agree. Or at least have someone in their pocket that's really, really good right. with it and enjoys it.
1: Right. So it's like the question of how long have I been in kites? 20 years or maybe all 40 years of my life. I don't know how you define it. You know? <laughs>
0: <laughs> I I notice a, a common theme uh, amongst uh, kite flyers, be it sport kite flyers or or other flyers, right, is we, we have two separate kite lives. We have There was the time when we were kids for most of us. There are a handful of kids who came up in the kite community. But there's And we love the kite kids, but they're a small clump. Exactly. So there's us enjoying kites as kids where we run around, we have fun, and okay, we leave it. And then like we rediscover it as adults. And that's like our kite life. That's when we really define it.
1: Well, and it's interesting because even um honestly, like as a business. My business, most of my business goes to the, the kids and the families and the, the beach goers who are buying like a single line or a really simple and dual line. Um, and I'm selling to a lot of those childhood memories. Mm-hmm. But then those of us who get serious in it, like then on the shop, like we have to make sure as a shop that we have something for serious kiters too. Because those of us who are serious kiters, um, yeah, it's a whole different world like people are shocked. Like I, I have a video reel up in my store of um like it's a lot of quad line stuff, but there's some dual line in there too. But I mean we're a quad store. My my dad builds quads. My mom and I and dad are all quad flyers. So we're we're centric, of course. You know, every kite shop is gonna be centric to its own way. But um we have the this video that shows that's awesome because I love it. It's got bunches of kite teams, it's got individuals flying, it's got um our friends doing, you know inland flying you know like city flying and the, to see people go whoa like the indoor flight is one of my favorite because like I get these guys that like that I I look over and they're watching the video and they've got like this like body language and they're kind of serious because they they're trying to figure out how it works and so I walk over and just make some small talk with them and it's just it's so much fun to show them the other side of it that it exists
0: yeah yeah, I I I always get the same questions or uh the same looks when I tell my peers or other adults like, yeah, um I'm a professional kite flyer. And oh. there's just this like uh what? Listen <laughs> what like you? as um
1: like I got divorced a number of years ago and I'm like venturing out into the dating world. Try telling like some guy on a date, like, Oh, <laughs> what well, do you do? tell you
0: about my world of kites. <laughs> like, you know, the, it just <clears> reminds <throat> me, right? Like, so, uh, each, I, I saw this, like, I guess news junket PC crap thing. Um, of uh, The common things uh, people use on Tinder in various locations to pick up people. And so for up here, all the guys love to hold a salmon. Like, I've caught this fish.
1: Girl, listen, that's everywhere. That was in (laughs) Texas. That was in Florida. It's sure in North Carolina. Like, that is... Like actually I see the picture of the fish and girl, I almost swipe life left by default because I'm like, Great, you caught a fish once anyway. Yeah, like
0: yay, <laughs> you caught a fish, right? But like I think Montana was something like, you know, them holding up like antlers and stuff antlers, like that. Antlers, yeah. No, yeah. there's probably somewhere that's like, look this beer bear paw. <laughs> yeah. And I'm and I'm so here I'm just thinking like, yeah, you instantly want Cassie to swipe, right? Just hold a kite in your hand. You yeah, can- no, exactly. Oh. Like, I
1: I actually, I need to put a picture of me with a kite up there just to be like, listen, this is my world. Like, you're either with it or you're not. Like, it's yep. going to sound obsessive because it kind of is.
0: Like, <laughs> I... On on a team I'm a part of here, not kite team, something else related. We yeah. we oftentimes do group stuff, and it's so funny because you know, like if we're gift giving it lists, like, what are you a nerd about? And everyone's putting like, Oh, I'm a nerd about anime, and I'm a nerd about DC and Marvel, and I'm like, uh-huh. So all y'all kind of are nerds about the same thing. Like, that's cool. I'm a nerd about heights and books so you want to talk about before the 1890s so <laughs> <laughs> hey you want to talk about aerodynamics <laughs> yeah
1: <laughs> like i've got notes here multiple people want me to talk about bridal adjustments and i'm like great. Like, here's my specialty <laughs> yeah oh <laughs> um, that's hilarious though that's so, so awesome all right sorry completely
0: like going on no the rails, this is
1: but it's-, it's like it's you mentioned like we should do this this episode during women's history month um yes yeah yes. and it's just like yeah it's like this is women's history in the making we're like we've got tinder full of dudes with fish it's fine it's fine
0: <laughs> it really changes you know the plenty of fish app right it's like yeah oh, yeah if yeah. i needed to go fishing or Listen, one day we should
1: do a completely separate podcast just about dating because I could go on for oh. days about the apps.
0: I think it's dangerous if we talk about dating in the kite is, world, yeah. right? There's yeah. only so... <laughs> oh, no, no, no. See, I do my role. I don't date in the kite world. <laughs> <laughs> good plan. No, good plan.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's... Sorry, that's Paul.
0: I love you. I'm glad I met you on the kite field. Right, but- right. <laughs> yes. right. No in the cave.
1: yeah no I've got a whole life to live <laughs> anyway
0: anyway Anywho, so um so yeah now you're working uh you're part of the family business working in the store yeah, yeah um, I came home so basically my my backstory is that I
1: started working for a kite shop when I was like 19 years old summer vacation, winter vacation, whenever I came back to visit my parents at the kite shop. No, I guess I was 20, but whatever, it doesn't. Um, Whenever I would come back and visit my parents on a vacation, I would go work at the kite shop. And summer after I graduated college, I managed a kite shop and like, it was, uh, you know. And when I left the Outer Banks, I moved to Austin, Texas and uh, there was a kite manufacturer in Austin. And at first I was like, I'm not gonna work in kites again. And then two or three months later, I got together with one of my kite buddies, and it turns out they needed an accountant for their company. And that, you know, it turns out I'm good with numbers. So there I am in kites again. And like seven years later, I left that job. Like, yeah. So like kites, I love it. I love it. it, it so like, we I can never get away jobs. from it. Huh? Well, and it's like I tried to work other jobs. Like I really did. Like I worked in banking. I worked. I did some really good jobs, like I was an accountant by trade for a while. Um, and then COVID hit and my parents asked, do you want to come home and help with the shop? And I said, yeah, definitely, definitely. Um, I'm going to quickly spray my cats with water.
0: Oh, Thank are you, they guys. acting out? No,
1: I was having a cat fight in the background. It's fine. This is my ah. life. Kites <laughs> and cats. Um, <laughs> Um, no, so I came back to the shop about a year and a half ago, and it's just been absolutely the best thing that I could ever imagine. Like, I risk getting emotional, so I'm going to try not to.
0: But I'm so <laughs> happy
1: to be back because it just feels like a homecoming, you know? Awesome. I get, I get to work with my family, but more importantly, I get to – I got. The, I feel like you understand the concept of kite family. Yep. Like, these people have now – a lot of these people have been in my life for 20 years um, yeah. And even the people that have only been in my life for six months through kites, the bond is different. Yep. And so, you know, <laughs> you know, just last weekend, we did an event and um, about 30 kite flyers came out. And it was awesome. It was yeah, you were fantastic. making
0: chili for them for like the week ahead. You're like yeah. posting photos well, of okay, I'm so, making chili
1: for everybody. Yeah, I did it. I did. I made so much food. But it's when we first planned the event, we expected maybe a dozen people to say that they were coming. And we basically said, you know, like, it's not a kite festival. We don't have sponsors. Um, you know, the kite shop cannot pay for all of those rooms. So what we can do is help offset some some of people's just cost of, of existing. Not mm-hmm. to mention... Um, restaurants out here are closed we're in the deep off season so for all of the kite flyers to need to get food like it was kind of really important to me that i made sure that i fed them at least one good meal a day so i did pulled pork i did chili um i ordered a platter of sandwiches one day from the grocery store um but that was kind of it it was definitely part of the the family feel for me because i didn't plan an event for the public i planned an event for the kite flyers And so, therefore, I wanted each and every one of those kite flyers to walk away feeling like they had received a warm hug from my family. And so, if that means handing them a bowl of chili, that's exactly what I'll do on a cold day in February. When they came to the edge of the world to fly kites in February, like, it's freaking cold. Come on, (laughs) y'all. (laughs) <laughs> yeah um but no it was crazy I ended up cooking food for 30 people and that oh, was wow. awesome but we've already got plans on how next year to run it a little bit better so that um I, I cannot spend entire days <laughs> <laughs> and oh my gosh and the chicken chili fell over in my car that's a story oh. that everybody should always hear yeah I screamed um luckily the lid was on it was in a Tupperware and the lid oh, was no. on, but as I, the road up from my house up to the shop is two lane and curvy and I went around a curve and something dumped and it was the chicken chili and I screamed and I pulled into a parking lot and then I jumped around my car saying, I can't get to it because <laughs> I couldn't get to it. Um, oh no. <laughs> finally, I got it. I got to it and only a little bit had dumped out. Most of it was oh, still
0: thank God. Like, but <laughs>
1: But my car still smells a little bit like chicken chili and it's fine.
0: Oh, I had a I had a half-gallon container of fresh made salsa do the same thing. Oh yeah. Did Except you scream? The, uh the top exploded and it went everywhere. Okay, see, that's where I was lucky. The top basically just burped.
1: Oh so, like, so lucky. some of the liquid <laughs> got out, but oh man. But I screamed. Like anybody who had been anywhere near me would have been laughing, being like, is that really. <laughs> Is that lady screaming and reaching for chili in her back seat? Yeah, yeah, she is. <laughs>
0: <laughs> but you gotta feed the pipe flyers. <laughs> uh huh. <laughs> yeah. Oh, all right. So uh, something I know you and I have been chatting out, uh, about, and I know you're kind of starting as a function of working at the shop. Um, was I'm I'm not sure what you're calling it yet. Uh, but these little video tidbits of sharing some tips and tricks. In my
1: head, I'm calling them Ask the Kite Shop Lady. Okay, cool, cool. Right, because I think that's really, like, that's the cute little, that's the shtick, right? Yeah. But I'll tell you what, I filmed a bunch of videos down in Treasure Island and I am so awkward when I introduce myself as, hi, I'm the kite shop lady. And this is, so I think that in my head it's labeled as the kite shop lady but in reality it's just me talking to the camera saying hey the question of the day is you know? <laughs> okay <laughs> um, so even today i filmed one in the shop it was it was awkward but i posted it anyway cuz like good I so fumbled proud over of some you words, right like i fumbled <laughs> over some words and like i didn't even like mom and dad were both outside the shop and so i was like okay i'm going to do this while nobody's here And so then dad kind of walks in during the last couple of seconds. So then I get really awkward. So I got, I got some to work through on that whole, the awkwardness of talking to a camera.
0: Uh, Um, You should go back and listen to the first few episodes of this podcast. Uh, I'm like, hi, I, I, I am. Right.
1: Yeah. Because the only reason why I'm at all like, my, one of my girls and I tried to record a podcast last year and we have a bunch of episodes that we never did anything with, but I totally, yeah. Like, yeah, in this movie, it's just awkward. Um, <laughs> so I'm getting past the awkwardness, but it's cute because even like we finally laid out when we were going to talk like mm-hmm. just a couple of hours ago. And I realized that I was like, Oh, I meant to write down that list of questions. Uh-huh. Um, so it's like, I've got probably girl. I've got two pages of just like random questions. You know, uh, today I did, what? what's an easy kite to fly? And I just presented Delta wing kites. Cause you know, as a kite shop, people uh-huh. ask all the time, what's an easy kite to fly. What's the easiest it,
0: kite in here to fly. Right.
1: Yeah. And so I've got a corner of easy kites to fly but if I could actually hand pick a kite for every single one of those people I would pick a Delta kite because it is just the easiest platform in my opinion. Yeah. Um, and I think Same. a lot of people would agree with that opinion. Um, And there's other specific kites, like I could tell you which butterfly is the best butterfly, which diamonds don't crash as much. But at the end of the day, I want people to pick Delta kites all day long, because that's going to be their success rate.
0: Yeah, Um, they're going to, and by Delta kites, you mean the single line Delta kites, not kind of the other name for sport kite dual line. But
1: actually, though, on the sport kite side, I was thinking about how even then with sport kites i'm not going to sell somebody a quad line as their first sport kite unless they specifically want that i'm going to sell them either a delta wing sport kite or mm-hmm. a two-line parafoil style nice um, yeah, yeah actually
0: because... i that's i think foils are kind of my go-to for right? brand new brand brand new dual line flyers right? well, i mean the
1: beauty the beauty of a two-line foil is that As long as it's not too big, um, they they're so durable. Mm -hmm. Like I'm not gonna get somebody in 20 minutes after their first flight with a broken spine because they happen to hit that. You know, because I joke with people. Like I'm selling them their first sport kite, and I tell them, "Okay, these are designed to put up with a lot of crashes, but anything that hits the ground enough times might break." If Uh it breaks, bring it back to me. I'm going to fix it for you. But um, I would rather send a kite out the door that doesn't break. Like, I'd rather not have to do a kite repair the first (laughs) week that somebody's flying a kite. Um, Wait,
0: aren't aren't business owners supposed to want you to break things so you come back and, and I mean, uh, you sell more stuff to them. I what, mean, you want people you know, to have a positive I'm
1: gonna, experience? I'm going to argue to say that it's not a positive experience if you're coming back because something broke. <laughs> um, it's one. Thing, it's cute though because I think actually it's like I think of one guy from last summer. Oh, Nick, you would have loved this guy. This Aww. this older gentleman, maybe in his seventies. And, um, he's buying his first Delta wing sport kite and I sold him, you know, a a really nice entry level sport kite. And he's already asking me about his second kite. Oh, awesome. Right. And like, I told him, I was like, listen, I want you to keep this kite in the air for one hour and then come back and talk to me about your second kite. Cause you know, at the end of the day, yes, I want to sell this guy, his second kite, but I want him to know the answers to the questions I have so I can sell him the correct second kite. And until yep. you get the first kite in the air for an hour, you don't know what you want. Yeah. Um, so there's my soapbox. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, as a business, of course, I want them to come back to me, but I want them to come back to me because of a good experience, not because of a bad experience. Um, but yeah, that's what and i think specific about what kites I bring in too. like. If I don't think that a kite is durable enough, if I don't think that a specific manufacturer tests at the right level for entry level kites, then that's not going to be my entry level kite. Perfect. I stop. You know, because um, we want people to have a good first experience. So if they end up like us, the total kite junkies,
0: really, <laughs> like, Addicted like they to kites,
1: expensive and I point out, I'm like, you know, these kites are amazing. They're beautiful. They fly great, but they're made out of ridiculously lightweight parts. Yep. So you don't want to be doing your, your crash landings with your $400. Nice kite. No, let's
0: let's not. Let's yeah,
1: landings yeah. with that sixty-five dollar model.
0: Yeah, let's give you the Toyota Corolla before we give you, you know, the exactly. Ferrari. Exactly. Exactly. Yes. Can you learn on the Ferrari? Absolutely. You can. You can. Yes. But your risk
1: is a little bit higher. But the cost <laughs> of fixing the Ferrari when you break it.
0: Yeah, and I don't know that you will fully appreciate the Ferrari, right? Exactly. If you start with that, so like, let's start with that Toyota Corolla. It's nice. It's reliable. It's
1: well. It's even. It's interesting because as a kite shop, even like I'm good for people's first second, maybe even their third kite. But then there comes a point that I start sending them out to the custom market. Um, the people you've already talked to, I'm sure, you know, Devin, yeah. <laughs> um, my goal is to get a person well enough acquainted with kites. So that then they're buying a kite from Devin
0: mm-hmm. and
1: they're sending their friend who's intrigued about what it is that they've gotten into to me. Perfect. So then we continue the cycle. I need new customers, but at some point I actually do want people to
0: graduate out of my shop. Yeah, you, you. How weird is that? Like, I want you to be No, it's <laughs> good. It's good. It, yeah. it 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 it's a growth mindset, right? right? Instead of uh a locking in and and getting only the ones that are gonna fill your bucket, you're like, well if I'm going to this way, I'm just going to kind of keep filling the bucket from the bottom and it's going to keep overflowing the top. And it's awesome. If that overflow to the top goes to someone else, I'm just going to keep pumping in from the bottom. Exactly. And if, as long
1: as I can just keep selling, as long as I keep, can keep asking the right questions, getting the kites in the hands of the people. So they have good experiences. The Mm -hmm. bucket will keep filling. And then big picture, we are trying to get kites in the hands of, the masses right like we my favorite story that i hear all of the time somebody will come into my shop um oftentimes a parent or a grandparent and they'll tell me gosh i remember flying a kite with my grandfather and today i'm gonna buy a kite and fly it with my grandson wow and okay that those are the people that um so if if my friends then in turn say, oh, yeah, Flying Smiles, hey, at least I know that this person will be able to buy a kite that flies rather than going to Walmart and ending up with whatever it was on the dollar rack.
0: Yeah. <laughs> uh. oh, Do you have yeah. any Spider-Man
1: kites? No, I don't have any Spider-Man kites.
0: Like, oh, boy. Branding
1: is so expensive. Side chat <laughs> Branding is... You know, anyway, to anybody, average people wondering why fancy kite shops don't have branded items it's because branding is so expensive and the kites we make are already at the, you know, they're already kind of expensive compared to what you want to be paying. You know, people want to pay $5 a kite. And when I tell them it's 25, they're a little bit shocked. Mm -hmm. So now if I added Superman to that kite, it's now going to be a $40 kite. And I can't like...
0: (sighs) (laughs) Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's that is definitely some insight from the backside, right? That people, I guess, don't see the the pricing and the markups and everything that come from kites. I know those that are super nerdy see it from custom kites, you know, because we're charging. Four hundred dollars for say a a custom, oh, you know, dual line kite, and those that are already kind of at that tier won't even blink an eye at that, right? They're like, exactly. My dad's kites are five hundred dollars. Yeah, without without a frame, no sticks. Yeah, and 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 it's funny, right? Because if you talk to the uninitiated, they're just like in complete shock and awe. Yeah. And they're like, "Oh, you must be making a ton of money. It's like, no, no, actually, no. I'm probably losing money. <laughs>
1: yeah, I, you know, it's like I, I look at the time that it takes to build those ki- twenty or thirty hours per kite. Like it's insane. And so, yeah, it's there it's going to cost a lot because of the amount of time that goes into that is absolutely insane and the amount of materials oh my gosh like mm-hmm. we were talking about fittings recently and like real talk on the market fittings that when i got into kites 20 years ago were maybe a dime a piece are a dollar 50 a piece now yeah and so just the cost of building that kite and have of four money. of those in the kite, right? Yeah, when you have four of this and four of that and eight of this other thing, all of a sudden you've got $20 in just fittings. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's crazy.
0: <laughs> and it's not yeah. like we're increasing our our cost of time, right? Oh, no. For oh, wages, no. we're like, yep, still paying ourselves five bucks.
1: yeah it's like making myself five bucks an hour it's god yeah yeah well it's like even like i do tie-dye and we were Mm -hmm. talking tonight about the bottom line and i i did the math for him i'm like yeah you know i'm probably making about five six dollars an hour for my time but i enjoy doing the project i'm not losing money by doing the thing yeah um am i getting rich off of it definitely not but is it a thing that i actually enjoy doing yeah but like yeah kite building tie dyeing like all of these little like things that we know none of us are getting rich i was talking there was some guy recently that was like oh i want to figure out how to make money off of kites and uh um, <laughs> who was it It was hunter hunter jumped in he's like cassie because hunter's been in the kite business too cassie how much money did you make last year tens of dollars yeah tens of dollars tens you know, of dollars like, yep you know like we're not in it for the money that's for damn sure
0: yeah yeah um i've here recently i i had a chance actually to meet up with some folks that i had never met before and are kind of new to the kite community and have been listening to the podcast and i'm not shy about the fact that i have a a donation button for the podcast right Hmm. um because yep indeed this thing costs money to to produce to host to put out there uh and I I had a kind of like a sit down chat with them and and with this other person, because they thought actually between this and some of my other stuff that I was making pretty good money doing (laughs) kites. And I'm like, no, No.
1: like I look,
0: I like I I just I I needed some help and financial support. So Mm -hmm. I kind of spread the load because my my real job pays for all of this right 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 Right? so I do this out of a labor of love I I just really love kites and I love the people in kiting and I love sharing it so and that's that's actually that that speaks to my soul because as a family
1: like our business we don't make a ton of money but we see it as a labor of love we see it as something that's bigger than just us being in a shop um, mm-hmm. yeah, you know, if I wanted to make a lot of money, I'd go back to banking. I'd go back to the finance sector. I'm I'm you know, I'm good with numbers. I
0: totally could go make good money. <laughs> you're, you're good with numbers and know that uh, you're not going to yeah. be making numbers in case. Yeah.
1: <laughs> um but at the same time, um it's interesting cuz I said to somebody recently, I was trying to plan a kite flying trip and I basically said, "Hey, you know, I need to bump that trip to the fall because my personal coffers are empty." It would not be a work-related endeavor. Mm -hmm. And so, therefore, my personal coffers are empty. I need to fill them back up before I can do a trip again. And it comes down to, you know, my life is rich, but financially, now, like, no, I'm not really. And that's okay because I still get to plan my year around kite trips. So, I'm okay. Yeah,
0: (laughs) (laughs) Pretty much all of my vacations are are kite-themed vacations or trips. I don't even know how to travel without
1: kites related. Like... Somebody asked me once, like, have you ever taken a vacation? And I was like, well, I've done a bunch of kite trips. And, like, I can literally only think of one vacation I took in my entire adult life that wasn't a kite trip.
0: (laughs) (laughs) But that's okay, because I love it. All right. So, uh, since this is the Sport Kite Podcast, and I know I just recently had you on a a group chat of women in sport kiting, which I'm going to be posting at some point um what is your experience on the sport kite field well
1: i spent a lot of years actually teaching lessons um when i worked for uh, new tech kites manufacturer of kites uh they're based out of austin texas and i worked for them basically the better part of seven years and i got to travel a lot and part of base my job was i would go to kite events and I would teach dual line sport kite lessons. And I actually really enjoyed that because my dad actually was always like really, really into dual lines. Like he was Delta wing master. We used to call him Axel because he'd just go out (laughs) there and just like throw (laughs) axles all day long. And I never actually learned how to do any tricks, like real talk. Like I can occasionally do something by mistake and like I do it again and it looks like it wasn't by a mistake, but I don't know what it was called. I'm like, I don't know. That was called the swirly loop. Um,
0: (laughs) I like it. The swirly loop.
1: But as an entry level, like I was basically two steps above entry level and that made me a really great teacher
0: because
1: I was talking to people on their level. And as soon as they wanted to learn more you know, oftentimes JB would be on the other side of the same field. I'm like, hey, go talk to that guy because he can teach you. Or Devin would be at some of the events that I was at. Go talk to those guys. They can teach you how to do those tricks all day long. I'm mm-hmm. going to teach you how to keep this kite in the air. Um, and I think that that's actually a really, really, really good base skill set because a lot of folks get really, really good and they forget what it's like to not be able to keep the kite in the air. Um what it's like to have a big old nosedive and just like st- stake it straight <laughs> into the sand. Um, you know, I used to learn tricks. I remember I used to put uh, one kite, there was this huge kite that New Tech sold and it was the BLK, the big loud kite. And on really low wind days when I had to teach anyway, I would put that bad boy on the shortest lines I have and, and take out the top spreader and just be like, okay, kids, come on, we're gonna do this. And it was interesting because I don't think a lot of the upper level flyers would have necessarily thought to do that. But because I was like, okay, I just need to take weight out of this kite. And this one has the biggest sail. And I'd be able to teach on that kite. Um, Super. Um, But my love has always been quad lines, to be totally honest. Like, I love framed quad line kites. I learned those very early on. And the ability to fly in reverse just
0: Caught my eye. (laughs) You're like that. That that's the thing I need to do. (laughs)
1: Well, you know, I think actually, if you were to also like really look at it, so my dad, I mentioned, we called him Axel, right? He was the kite Mm -hmm. flyer. So my mom and I learned quads around the same time, and dad was not interested. And I want to say honestly, like, I think that that gave us a thing that we could work on that somebody in our family hadn't already mastered.
0: I don't okay. know if that makes sense. Yeah, no, but no, it does. That just comes it, to
1: mind as like probably one of the reasons why.
0: Like but why I just you kind of picked it up and all right. I loved quads. <laughs> and how much dual line experience? Just this is both quad and dual line for the Sport Kite podcast. But I mean, hundreds of hours of flight. Okay. But. Not
1: many hours of like hardcore practice practice, but I've put hundreds of, I mean, even thousands of hours of flight. I don't even know. I don't even know how to quantify because in seven years I would go to maybe 10 festivals a year, two days of kite lessons, eight to 10 hours a day. I don't know. Okay. Lots of time flying. Nice. Um, I know one of the,
0: huh?
1: A big focus on that that lower end, which I yeah. feel like makes me really, really good for that kite shop lady. <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> Tips from the kite shop lady, I think, is still great. I think um, it's cute, yeah. <laughs> there's... Uh, I, a memory kind of popped up from Treasure Island, uh, seeing you at the sound tent. And I think that's another perspective. You, you've you had a very interesting view of the kite field, specifically the sport kite field. Um, yeah. A lot of times you have helped at uh, kind of the infrastructure side of either competition or demos um, yeah. and how that stuff works. And just wondering if you have, I guess, any insight or thoughts
1: okay so my best advice to anybody who wants to get into kiting but is not an insta star who can do all of the performances
0: Mm
1: -hmm. be useful like i will show up at an event and find out what does the organizer actually need that weekend to help make their life a little bit more manageable um in fact that's how gail would all i i don't I, of course, you know Gail. Bless her. Oh yeah. Um, when I when I first met Gail, she she told me years later. I asked her. I was like, Gail, why was it that you picked me to be, you know, your your kite kid, if you will, you know, you one of your little minions? Because you know, there was a lot of people always flustering around her, but at some point, she basically was like, "You, you're gonna come help me," and just like <laughs> me help her, at tons of events. And um, the first time that she met me, it was basically I'd gone to an event to fly kites with new tech. Um, Mm -hmm. Gomberg was putting up the biggest kite in the world and we get there and there's not much to do. And I look across the field and there's this crazy white haired lady unloading stuff from her van. And so I just walked over and said, how can I help? Um, and I spent the next half hour or so putting up, helping her put up her banner display, but that's it is that, you know, I helped at the sound tent because Curtis needed help. And I've got, you know, it turns out I went to music school and I'm surrounded by musicians. One of my true loves is live music. Like, I love music more than anything else in the world. And so when Curtis asked, do you want to help in the sound tent? I'm like, yeah, of course, because I can queue up iTunes all day long. I can wrinkle kiters. Um, there's a lot that goes to an event. You You know, just to show up and fly is great. But even like working in the sound tent, my biggest memory of the day was that the whole day was broken into three minute increments um, because I'd queue up one person's song, they'd get going. And then immediately I'm looking for the next song and letting three people forward know, hey, Nick, you're up after John. So and so. You know, so that everybody kind of knows their place in line. So the event from the public perspective, it goes off a hit without a hitch. You want it to be relatively seamless without Mm -hmm. big gaps. But to make that happen, you've got a hundred moving pieces going on behind the scenes. Um, So, yeah, over the years, you know, between teaching lessons, but then I watched just a lot of people that I admire and I asked myself, um, how is it that this person is always invited to the events And a lot of it came down to that that person was the first one on the field helping set up. They were the last one off the field helping break down. They were doing the things without being asked just because they looked over and they see a friend, you know, I look over and I see Curtis wrapping up mic lines and it's six o'clock and it's getting dark fast and everybody else is leaving. Well, if I help him, he'll get off the field half an hour faster. So so anyway, that's my hot take on how to <laughs> how to make it in kiting without necessarily being one of the
0: best flyers out there
1: in performances. Yeah. Because um, no, I've, I... I've never been a name in performances. You would never associate, oh, yeah, Cassie Shook. You remember that time that she threw flew that, that hell of a routine? No, because you won't remember that because it never happened. Like, I've flown a couple <laughs> of times, and I've been good enough. Like, I've been proud of myself. But I am no... John Beressi. I am no Lisa Willoughby. I am no Paul DeBacher. I can't just walk out on the field and just like
0: put on the flare, you know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's, I hear you girl. Like, mm, right. I, mm. I am, I am vibing with you right now right. because I, right. that's definitely been kind of my lot uh, for at least the better part of the last decade right. is just being the Johnny on the spot. Um,
1: yeah, and... um, and not everybody wants that role, not everybody needs no. that role. Um, but I personally find a lot of personal value in knowing that I helped somebody else manage a very heavy load because these organizers they've got 800,000 things on their mind,
0: mm-hmm. and so if I can
1: take one thing <laughs> off their mind, great, you know, here, let me. I just I think of it with Gail specifically. It would be as simple as, "Oh, you want to put up the signs around the big kite field to tell little kids to stay off the big kite field? Cool. Where's the
0: tape? Done. Yeah, it's just that easy. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. All right. right. So, uh, as since it's Women's History Month, and I know we talked a lot about this during the the group chat, so mm-hmm. we don't have to rehash everything in that but uh since yep women's history month as a woman on the kite fields um and you've also you know you've worked elsewhere uh what are some positive aspects of i guess the equality and everything else when it comes to kiting that maybe we don't see elsewhere
1: oh man the sisterhood I have experienced professionally in other places um, women become each other's worst competition. Uh, They become backbiting. It's like this like heap where everybody's just digging to get to the top. And what I've experienced in kiting is the exact opposite. I'm watching women lift each other up and push each other. Oh man. now And that's actually, it's funny because talking about that, suddenly I choke up a little bit. Because I think about a couple of the women um, that are just huge influences in my life. And I met them on the kite field. And we encourage each other in kiting, but also in life. Um, Mm -hmm. We are each other's biggest cheerleaders. We are each other's confidants. Um, We support each other in ways that you don't often see women supporting women. So it's really... I am so lucky. And just, I think about that podcast that recorded and a couple of the women that I'm thinking about were in that podcast that just, these women that just, um, by being their friends, my life is better. Um, They, we you know, I think as women, we often, we second guess ourselves and we Mm -hmm. undermine ourselves and we are our own worst critics. And I think of the advice that my kite flying women have given me and it's always the, come on, you're good enough. You're smart enough. You know, you're in and gosh, own your hover. Like you, but, yeah. But um, yeah, it's the, the own your hover, really,
0: own your space. Like, own your this hover, space own your is space. for you. As
1: well. um, you know, I'm going to name drop because Lisa, Lisa comes to mind constantly mm-hmm. because she was the one that came to me and said, you know, I've seen a bunch of guys, do what you say you're not good enough for and you're a better flyer than them. Hmm. You belong in that space too. And, um, you know, that's, um, that's some empowering, empowering words. And so, yeah, in, in kiting, I found that the women, we get a really, really amazing caliber of women who we're not in it to put each other down. Instead, we're in it to lift each other up.
0: Mm-hmm. And that is a
1: beautiful place to be because um, I don't see it. Maybe that's part of why I want to be in the shop so badly, you know, part of why I want to be back in kites so badly, because I've been other places professionally where women just treat each other like trash. Um, I, I've joked at multiple jobs that I end up being like the unofficial HR because I'm the one helping moderate. Um, it's like, you know, person A, you're doing the same thing to person B and you're escalating each other. And then they're like, oh, and it's like, oh my God. Um, I prefer the community where person A is helping person B and then person B is uplifting person A and then together person A and B are both better for it rather than pushing each other down. Yeah
0: yeah i i definitely second that emotion i mean there still is there's still some differences we have to overcome Mm -hmm. but um i also notice a lot more understanding and space and acceptance is given uh -hmm. because honestly like most guys that i've run into if you if you tell them like Hey, yeah, I'm also nerdy about kites. They're like, "Oh my god, you are. Do, do you want to fly with me? Right. Do you want to be on my team? Do do, you, do right. like should we go fly?" And you're like, "Whoa, buddy." Like, right.
1: I'm like, "I need you to slow down." Yeah, um, so no, it's true. It's it's actually really true because for us to have this super nerdy interest mm-hmm. um I don't know about you, but I feel like I meet a lot of people in life that don't have anything that they're excited and passionate about. Yeah. And, I feel lucky to have, I would say, three things. Kites and um, sewing. I love sewing. And then music. (laughs) I already mentioned it. Live music Mm -hmm. is just like feeds my soul. And with those three things, my cup is full. But I meet people who they don't have anything that fills their cup. Yeah, it's so weird, isn't it? Yeah. But then a lot of those people, they find kites and suddenly you see this like childlike enthusiasm and i mean i think of a couple of people that i've i've met who have come into it recently where it's it's beautiful to watch this childlike enthusiasm when like a 55 60 year old rediscovers kites for the first time since they were yep. 12 you know <laughs> it's so much fun to watch them just like jump in feet first and then it's not even just the women, the men, um, mm-hmm. our community. I don't know if you ever watch, but I watch people come to it and it's kind of awesome to watch people say welcome. Um, yeah. and in fact, it, he, you asked a question about, you know, as women, but I, I think as a community kiting is really, I think about other trades, and um, I remember I was at a trade show once and somebody was commenting that they were surprised how much information kite flyers and kite builders shared with each other.
0: Yeah. And um, openly and trade secrets.
1: Like RC <laughs> or something. Yeah. And it was like, you know, everything to other industries is trade secrets. And for us, we're like, no, nah, man, how did you do that? How did you, you know, what it tell me about that extra bridle leg that you added and why yeah. that changes the aerodynamics of that kite um and that's something that you're not going to find in a lot of communities where we're open with information
0: uh, 100% i yeah. uh i i see that in stark contrast with uh between, say, the Sport Kite Pilots Lounge, the Facebook group, right, uh-huh. and how everyone is just eager to share what they're doing, share right. tips that they've learned, even knowing that they are not experts, right? They're like, right. dude, I was just doing this thing, and this thing worked for me, and, like, do you like my thing? And everyone's like, oh, yeah, that's cool. And, you know, there is there is some feedback and constructive criticism. Of exactly. Like, and hey, that's
1: when somebody will pop in and be like, hey, man, I see what you did. Have you thought about trying? no, 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 no
0: right and it, it it tends to be like the the bad reactions are so far and few between right that like i don't even have to police the group as a, a moderator right um but like everything is just so helpful and everyone's just so eager and it's a stark contrast to so um Funnily enough, this is a topic that has come up in other uh conversations with other folks is you know, yeah. we were talking about we're a kite family, right? You and yeah. I have probably known each other on some level for 10, 15 years. I'm guessing
1: 15 years, probably, yeah.
0: Yeah. Um, you probably have no idea what I do as a job.
1: <laughs> I mean, I vaguely know what you do as a job. I know that you yeah. wear things. Yeah. <laughs> 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 but, you, you know, like,
0: clipboard. yeah, I carry a clipboard, but, you know, like, I, this is a total sidetrack is that yeah. in, in other conversations I've had is that, like, so many of us, like, oh, my God, we have lives outside of the kite community, and I will have known someone for 15 years, and I right. know nothing about that. Oh, my right? God. And, right. and, and I consider these people close family, close friends. But uh, yeah. yeah, so so my job outside of this is I'm a corrosion inspector. Okay. Um. So I look at rusty pipes and I say it's rusty. Okay. <laughs> Very glamorous, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: Uh, How it, rusty it's... is it, Nick? Let me give you percentages. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
0: I, of course, it's a little bit more detailed than that. But uh, so there's a handful of Facebook groups and some other trade organizations and stuff like that that I hopped in. Um. And first of all, I definitely already stand out as a female inspector in the oil and gas industry. There's not Mm -hmm. a lot of us. Um, And I'm hoping to hop in there and ask questions and learn because there are people from all over the world that do this job. And God, it is a shit show. (laughs) Like, I haven't learned anything from this group. Because they're, they're all secretive and hiding information. Yeah. And, you know, there's been some folks that have posted questions that I actually knew the answer to. And the moment I respond and be like, hey, you might be able to find that in uh, B31.5 or, or this code, you know, when I ran into this, oh, then people fucking jump on me of like, oh, well, what would you know? You must be a little junior inspector, thinks they know their shit. And I'm like...
1: Oh my gosh, I was just answering a question.
0: Like, aren't we trying to help each other?
1: (laughs) It's it's funny because the juxtaposition of that is just two weekends ago, I got up with somebody that Chris Schultz, 15 years ago, taught me about power kites. But in the meantime, in the last 15 years, I don't really fly power kites. So I asked Chris basically like, hey, man, I feel like you've already taught me this information once, but do you have like 20 minutes? I just need a refresher. Mm -hmm. and he yeah cool let's let's talk and that's that was (laughs) like it was it was just because ultimately with me having knowledge then that's good for all of us you know Mm -hmm. because my commentary there was like man i haven't flown them in so long and i've got people asking these questions and i just need to gauge what's the right size for the right situation Mm -hmm. um but that that shouldn't like if he was acting like one of your people, he would have been like, oh, well, you should have known that by now. Can't believe Yeah, like, can't I taught you. Yeah. And instead, it's like, oh, no, in the last 15 years, yeah, guess what? When you gain a lot of information on the front end, you drop some on the back end. Yeah, especially <laughs> if you're not
0: using it consistently, right? Yeah.
1: You know, the last time I really thought a lot about power kites, I was learning how to buggy, but then it was 15 years ago. Mm-hmm. So anyway, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I feel that in my soul. <laughs>
0: So uh, any other, I guess, random, sensitive sport kite podcast, any other random sport kite tips that you might have, uh, especially as a a business person, right? uh, and especially for someone who is so much on the front end and dealing with people that are just getting into it, Uh, Maybe some tips and tricks for them and then also tips and tricks for the community on how we could be uh, how we could help those folks a little bit better or approach them better.
1: So my first thought is basically it kind of goes to the questions that I ask people when they're buying their first kite. If you're buying your first kite, I would want you to look at a number of things. First of all, I want you to look at the manufacturer. I want you to actually buy a kite from a reputable brand. If you're buying the Amazon off-brand, I can't I can't speak to that. Um, so you might end up spending $40, $50, $60, maybe as much as $80 on your first sport kite. And that to me is a reasonable cost of admission to get a decent enough quality. But then you want to look at where are you flying? Because that's the big question that I feel like is oftentimes missed. Um, people buy whichever kite, looks the way they want it to look. They're like, Oh, that sale. I like that graphic, but they fail to recognize that they live in the middle of Missouri with winds two gusting to five and they have bought a kite that has a 10 to 25 mile an hour wind range. So I would encourage anybody getting into it, look at your wind range and look at your manufacturer and make sure you're buying a kite that's suited for your area you're living. And if you don't know your wind range, It's so easy to find out. There's a million apps. The Wind Finder app, the Windy website, I think weather.com. You know, there's a a million different ways to find out your weather in your area. So look at what your wind average is. And also, oh my gosh, factoid. Nick, this factoid blew my mind. Mom taught me this the other day. I did not realize that a lot of those weather stations are reporting for like 500 to 1,000 feet above ground level. Yes. Yeah, that is a very good point. Right. And so like, oh, my gosh, like I have been in this world for 20 years and I'm sure maybe somebody told me that before and I just didn't hold on to it. But those those weather stations are measuring from way above turbulence. So go ahead and assume that if it's if if the windy app tells you that it's blowing 10 to 15, it's probably blowing seven to 12. Um, Because you're actually down closer to ground level and you will, even if you're on the water, there's going to be some sort of turbulence going on closer to ground level, most likely. So that's kind of my advice to like entry level, like plan on spending more than $20. Go ahead and budget $40 to $80 for your first Delta wing sport kite or even foil sport kite to allow yourself enough to buy a kite that has actually been tested and crash tested because there is no way a new flyer is going to be able to fly without crashing the first couple of handful of times. Um, and then just to the community, I would just remind everybody that we were all a beginner once. It's just that easy. Um, anytime, you know, I think of uh, a couple of weeks ago I posted on my business website or my business facebook or something about uh wind meters oh and actually that's another cool thing entry level flyers might could think about buying a a wind meter because it so basically i posted about wind meters and a couple people popped on to be like oh well i can tell by the way the grass is blowing or i can tell by the back of my neck and that's great because we've been in it for 20 years yeah i can tell too based upon how the trees are blowing but when you're first getting into it when I say Oh, this kite is good for five to 10 miles an hour wind. You don't necessarily know what five to 10 miles an hour feels like. Um, So a good wind meter isn't even that much money. I want to say our cheap model is probably 65 and then the fancy Bluetooth one is 100. Um, So we're not talking about a ton of money to get just a simple tool that you can hold up and say, okay, that's what that wind is. Um, And as an experienced flyer, shoot, I still use mine. Like when it's gusting real big. Yeah. I pull out my wind meter because I'm like, what are these gusts? Um, I watched Chris Schultz launch a three meter kite gusting to 25. And we both agreed that was a little bit unsafe for me. Um, (laughs) But like as an experienced flyer, the wind meter is just kind of like a fun tool that like, okay, I'm curious what these gusts are. But like, generally speaking, I can tell which kite to fly. But as an entry-level flyer, it's okay to not know the answer. It's okay to get that cool do that that can tell you the information that mm-hmm. now helps you figure out, you know, um, yeah. And, you know, thinking about, like, the second kite, once you're flying your first kite, then start thinking about what do I want to do that this kite can't do? You know, do you want to learn how to do fancy tricks or do you want to have it pull harder or you know is so you go to a kite shop with ideas of what you want the kite to do and then i can tell you what the options are but if you're just looking for a vague second kite expect that i'm going to ask you a bunch of questions to figure out which one because you know it'll probably be about 150 bucks but i i don't want to sell you the wrong 150 bucks <laughs> oh, right <laughs> But yeah, no, but back to the, you know, advice for the community, it's just like, we all need to remember that at one point in time, we were new. Mm -hmm. At one point in time, we didn't know what we were doing. At one point in time, our lines were tied in a knot and we didn't know how to untangle them. Um, At some point in time, somebody showed you line maintenance that worked. But before somebody showed you line maintenance that worked, you probably fumbled a handful of times. So when we see somebody else fumbling, instead of like laughing and judging and being like <laughs> you, know, why don't we just like walk over and say, "Hey, can I help?" That's it. Um, and that's how we remain approachable as a community.
0: I like that. I, I think those are are very, very good points for right. for everyone. You when know, it's you make in me life smile when when you say this stuff, <laughs> right? And
1: it's in life in general, though. You know, like mm-hmm. this is my life advice to everyone about everything. Like,
0: <laughs> hey man, Just you're an expert be... in that
1: thing. Cool, you were a beginner once upon a time too. So yep,
0: yeah, yeah. It, kind of to expand on that thought a little bit um, with with my team that I coach and stuff. Uh, one of the other things that we tell newbies is do not compare your bloopers reel to my highlight reel. I've been doing this for 10 years.
1: Oh my gosh. Is that not the best advice? That makes me think of um, how many people
0: have told Get me. Get frustrated was- because they're right? they're watching a video or they see someone walks out there and they it's just so go boom, 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 boom. And boom. they try to mimic it and it it looks like crap. And they're like, well, why right. am I doing this? It's like, well, that person has been flying for 10 years and they've they've
1: been practicing a lot, you know, to speak to that, even, you know, I've been flying for 20 years, but most of those 20 years, I wasn't practicing. Mm -hmm. You know, my kite flying was teaching dual line lessons. My kite flying was helping wrangle big kites. My kite flying was 20 minutes at the beginning and the end of the day, flying the kites that I actually really like flying. Um, I never took the time to really go learn all of those things. So, okay. I'm not allowed to compare because there's some people that have only been flying for a year and they put so much more quality time on the lines. Um, yep. But in the meantime, there's two points that I was thinking about. First of all, comparing to others. Um, I think it was Lisa that made the point in the, in the ladies podcast or somebody else, but it's like, mm-hmm. as women, I I watched men for years flying and tried to mimic them. And it really was a light bulb moment of, oh, my gosh, you know, of course, you know, um, John Boresi is a perfect example because he is a tall, lanky guy and he flies with all of his limbs in all directions. And yep. I am a short, compact woman who <laughs> if I try to fly the way John flies, I have tried to jo- fly the way John flies and people have told me to cut it out and i didn't understand for so long until it finally internalized it it's like well don't fly like him cuz your body type isn't like him so mm-hmm. you can't fly the same way you have to figure out how to make the kite do the same thing with your own set of motions
0: yeah it's oh, separating out the the skill from what we could maybe call the the flare or the technique right right so if the skill is to get especially like on a dual line kite is to get difference between your starting point and your ending point uh so that you stall the kite right you your hands need to physically travel well right folks like john and and wadi they've got the arm length and maybe the lunge length that they can just throw their hands forward yeah they can just
1: lean forward
0: Right. Whereas you need to run shorter, to more compact people may have to take a few sprinting steps forward. Yeah. Right. Still the same, still accomplishes the same task and it's still the same skill. We're just changing up the technique a little bit. Right. So.
1: so then the, the second thing that I was thinking about was just the point of, you know, don't use my highlights real against your bloopers Mm real. And it's like the one thing I have to always remember in my own world. And then I remind other people, I have a fear of stepping on the line and taking every kite out of the sky.
0: Oh, and it's going to (laughs) happen. And you know what? That's exactly it.
1: It's going to happen at some point. And I'm going to learn a big lesson from that mistake. And I might want to go to my car and cry and I might actually go to my car and cry because I'm so embarrassed, but I'm going to learn from that. And then the next time I'm in that moment that I'm about to take all the kites in the sky, I'm going to do that micro adjustment. Um, Mm -hmm. And I'm going to have that much more experience on the line. You know, we try new things and uh, my, my trying to get on the line is a perfect example for lots of people, you know, like I joke with people that as soon as I get on the line, everything that I've been working on and practicing goes out of my brain. My brain goes to jelly. (laughs) I've got too much going on. And that's okay because it turns out as I've been practicing, I have to think less and less about the things I'm doing. So it's becoming more and more of muscle memory. Mm -hmm. So the more times I try to jump on the line, the more successful I am. But if your brain goes to jelly, because suddenly too many people are watching you. <laughs> That's okay. Like, guess what? Mine does too. Um, I'm guessing Nick, yours probably does too. Um, yeah. There's always that moment. I often, all,
0: yeah, <laughs> when, like, when I'm doing Derby, I often don't remember most of the game.
1: Right. And then I'm like, I go back and watch
0: movie. video and I'm like,
1: what was I doing? Um, <laughs> what did what I do? Yeah. Exactly. And so, you know, I I always hear like when I'm oftentimes the boys, when I'm on the line, they start saying, oh, do this, do that. And then I kind of have to be like, hey, listen, I know all of the things I'm doing wrong right now. I need to relax. And you chirping in my ear about getting my shoulders down isn't helping me get my shoulders down. (laughs) (laughs) Yep. (laughs) Um, But at the same time, by jumping on the line a handful of times, I do find that my shoulders are down now like the guys were telling me to get them. Um, so that's just my reminder to people of like my example. And to those actually, I keep on using this phrase. to those uninitiated to say jumping on the line is when a bunch of sport kite flyers, whether it's dual line or quad line flyers are flying as a pack and they're mm-hmm. doing routines um, where all of the kites are basically choreographed. Think um, synchronized swimming, but in the air.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Oh, well, thank you so much, Cassie. Thank you. Know you. i love chatting glad we with finally you. Did this. <laughs> Right. And I'm going to have to include all the links and stuff uh, where folks can find Flying Smiles Kites yes. and uh, the Flying Kite smiles. Shop Lady videos shop lady. <laughs> and Long ask you month. questions. We gonna do it again
1: sometime, maybe another like six months or a year.
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh, we're going to do it sooner, but we're going to do it on the beach. I'm going to have to come uh, out yeah. there.
1: Right, right, right. I love it.
0: And so, well, all keep right. up
1: doing what you're doing. Thank you for providing content to the world because... Yeah.
0: Oh, thank you. High five. Boom. All right. So I hope you enjoyed listening to that interview. I had a lot of fun talking with her. Uh, I know a a handful of times we've had chances to sit down and share the field together and just kind of chat. And I thought she had a rather interesting perspective, not only as someone who flies, but someone who has worked the retail side and kind of helped a lot behind the scenes. So, uh, yeah, a uh, big thank you to her. Go check out her, her family store, Flying Smiles Kites. Uh, they're doing a lot of awesome stuff. Um, and also check out her social media. You can find it on TikTok and Facebook and what have you. So with that, we are going to take a break for a few weeks and then we'll start fresh with season three. So if you have any thoughts, suggestions, comments, uh, anything really regarding the podcast, reach out to us at info at We'd love to hear it. All right. Talk to you guys later. Bye.